Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. Lauren Plunkett is back. Author of Type 1 Determination, Lauren is back to bust vegan nutrition myths and shed some reality on New Year's resolutions. Here we go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self-care. It has truly been a game changer in every aspect of my life, including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Lauren. Thank you. Excited to be here for another fun topic, diving into something a little different this time. Yes. Last time you were on the podcast, it was very clear that, one, both of us could talk about these things forever and be (laughs) quite content. And two, one hour the first time just wasn't enough. So I'm very glad you're back. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to be here. It's so nice to be able to have like, like-minded like conversations when it comes to nutrition. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we didn't get into last time, that was kind of the impetus of me coming to find you after your presentation at VegFest, because as you were starting to talk, I literally was texting my friend who I tell everything about the business with. I just found out somebody else I want on the podcast. She's been talking for a minute and a half and I am totally into it. So <laughs> you would just, your approach to talking about nutrition was so refreshing because you are honest and give facts and you're not, you're not pulling any punches with things. You're like, this is the reality. This is the truth. This is the science. Let's talk about it. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I've worked really hard over the years to try to figure out how I can introduce plant-based nutrition to all kinds of eaters. So Mm. I call it making friends with all people because any of us that are in a position to be at a dinner table with friends or family that we're we're eating different things, those of us that have a a moral connection to food, it's always going to be hard on us. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of us just want to completely avoid the conversation. Let's just stay neutral, you know, follow all the rules that you're supposed to follow at a family dinner, stay really on neutral <laughs> topics and don't go there. But it, when it comes to vegan eaters, it's a religion for us. It is a very strong belief system. And because that's where I stand, I, I realize why well, I'm an evidence-based practitioner. I have to be really fair in how I talk about nutrition. And I first need to understand where is someone coming from? Because I'm seeing them from a position where we're either trying to prevent or improve chronic conditions. And what Mm. I want to do is help them eat to treat the whole body. And if I'm seeing type 2 diabetes, depression, some kind of other inflammatory type of ailment, their joints are hurting, gout might be present. I'm absolutely going to go into plant-based nutrition. But my approach to it was, let's talk about high fiber foods and what you're not eating Mm. versus people feeling hammered about what they are eating. Yeah. And, and it's an intimidating thing. Yeah. It's intimidating. And then there's shame attached to it. Cause yeah, me, me growing up in, in endocrinology with having type one diabetes, it was this carbohydrate 
stuff. Carbs, you know, and carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. And we'll get into that with the myths of eating vegan, yeah. but carbohydrates are, they're the, they're the glucose. They are the, the powerhouse. They're the energy of where we're getting most of our nutrients. So we have to reframe our conversation, reframe our language around carbohydrates. And that might've been where I some, somewhere where I, where I went right away in the presentation too, was just reframing all of our language around food and then being able to tell fact from fiction, which is always going to be challenging in the social media world of yes. food marketing. Yes, absolutely. And I think that what you said about the shame and what people can add in, you know, what are, what are things that you could eat more of is such a good approach because any of us are going to have that kind of reaction when someone says, cut this, cut this, cut this, take this out, take this out. And if you start there, you're like, well, okay, you just said all of the things I grew up eating and that are normal. I should not be Mm -hmm. eating. So what the hell am I going to do? Exactly. Have you ever had someone say to you, I'm so confused about nutrition that I don't even want to eat anymore? No. Have you ever heard that? I know. Yeah. There's a, there's a term out there loosely called ortho and it has to do with, yeah, just now you're looking at the ingredients list and you're panicking because you're not sure what carrageenan is, (laughs) some other additive or preservatives. Yeah. Things that are, are even sugar substitutes, things where we have to understand, like, are they harmful to you as an individual? Is there a reason why you need to be really careful about certain foods? If you're going to stay away from dyes, sure. Chemicals, absolutely. But have some understanding of which foods are acceptable for you and which ones are absolutely not for health reasons. And that can cause so much panic, especially when people are having sensitivities and they're not really sure what their allergy allergies are. One thing that makes me nervous is when people just completely start cutting gluten, but they haven't actually had a test for gluten. That trend hit hard. Everyone was all of a sudden, oh, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat gluten. When I was trying to figure out, you know, being lactose intolerance, i.e. not a baby cow. Uh When I was going through that journey, I cut out gluten just to try to see if I could feel better at one point. And it wasn't that, but Mm. it was a... It was a, I mean, I think it still is, but it feels like it was just like such a trend, the gluten-free vibe. Yeah, it's, it's, what's even more, just, just to add fuel to the complicated and confusing fire, it's all the restaurants that feel the need to have a gluten-free menu, but they don't have a vegan one. Come on. Yes. Thank you. Which is, I mean, so many people have issues with dairy and you don't have a dairy-free menu. I'm sorry that your professional chefs can't figure out how to cook a vegetable as the main. Yes. I, it just, <laughs> it's it wild. shouldn't be that difficult. No, it should yeah, not and be it's that the difficult. Trend. Yeah. Or you've got, you know, there are a couple of restaurants in the city here that really cater to diet culture. And it really ticks me off with giving, you know, catering to titling meals as keto, paleo, Ugh. those type of terms where we really need to, as, as restaurants, I, I'm challenging restaurants and asking, asking them to be smarter than that. Yeah. This is not what we're trying to do for, for people is, is have them still going into your restaurant and they're still probably eating a 900 calorie meal that may not be so nutrient rich, but you're still going to call it cater to their, to their, the fad diets. So not the yeah. greatest environment, right? But, but yeah, when it, when it comes to allergies, the, the, the gluten-free thing or trying to cut things out and really not having certainty about it, it's, it's tricky because there could always be more to that story that we want some facts on. And if someone wants to cut out gluten after finding out that they aren't, you know, that they don't have celiac disease, that they aren't positive for, for this allergy, then that's totally their call. But that also means there's something else attached to that food that is getting you probably some kind of a chemical in farming. And it's so hard to nail that down because people have varying levels of sensitivity to the stuff that could be in a bag or a box. Well, and I think that what you said about someone saying, I just don't even want to eat anymore because nutrition is so confusing. (laughs) And I haven't necessarily heard that, but I do think that I've heard or understood people talking in a way that is, it's so confusing. Why bother? You know, like who's, who's Uh, right, who's right or wrong, really. If there's this diet says this, the other one says this. I remember a friend saying to me, well, this guy that was a vegetarian and was like super healthy, his whole life had a heart attack. So what's the point? You know? And so it's just oh when, yeah. when you're inundated with shitty information, you do kind of shut down. It makes sense yeah. why people might shut down in this world. 
And it's jumping from jumping from fad to fad to fad or confusion to confusion to confusion. The almost so what what I will see in that that's almost kind of nice to see is that mm-hmm. the one thing they haven't tried is eating like they love themselves. Ooh, <laughs> damn. Yeah, right. So the one thing I'm hearing that you haven't tried is eating because you want to heal because you're but you're you're eating because you want to punish yourself when you continuously choose restrictive diet after right it's eating for punishment binge eating is eating for punishment and that's something that is psychological that is a therapeutic issue we need to talk about something underneath it all just like anorexia and bulimia are 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 psychological you know, mental and emotional situations more so than it is about the food we have to get to the bottom of what's happening here we have to get right. to the bottom of to we have to get to the bottom of why do you keep choosing a fad diet why do you keep abusing yourself with food by restricting the nutrients that you need? So that actually can make it quite simple to introduce high fiber nutrition. Mm. If you can peel back the layers and show someone, simply put, you're eating for punishment. Why are you punishing yourself so much? Let's eat like you love yourself. And then we can really get somewhere by eating to treat versus eating to punish. I'm, I'm really stuck on that. Like what, Mm -hmm. what if you were eating to love yourself? That's a really powerful statement and a powerful question. I'm sure you stop people in their tracks with that question. You stop me. The, the question I'll first pitch is if you woke up tomorrow, tomorrow in your ideal state of health, what would that John eat like? Mm. What would you eat like if you woke up tomorrow? Because the the goals can be a little bit tricky. They can be very body conscious, right? Like someone might have right. a goal and we can even get into like resolution versus goal here is yeah. that someone might say that they really want to be a certain size or they want to lose an, a, this very specific amount of weight. Like I want to get back to my college weight. You'll hear adults say things like that a lot, which may or may, may not be realistic. So you then have to start painting a realistic picture. So even with, without knowing exactly what they want their body to look like, if you can ask them a statement of what would that John look like if, excuse me, what would that John eat like if you woke up tomorrow in your ideal state of health? Because mm-hmm. you'll never exactly know what someone's fears are or thinking in the back of your mind. Like the doctor told me I have high cholesterol. My blood pressure's high. I'm stressed out. I'm kind of pissed off at my family. <laughs> All these things. Start yeah. Yeah. And you might not want to know, particularly as a dietitian, like, I don't want the whole reel because it's too heavy on me. You need therapy for all of these things. But they just like flash, flash, flash. They had like a million thoughts all at one time when you asked them that question. And then they could all of a sudden go, well, I probably wouldn't go through the McDonald's drive-in on my way to work anymore. You go, okay, well, you just answered your own huge problem or you just got over your own gigantic barrier out of a visual exercise. Yeah. So if people can visualize themselves into a healthy state on their own just by thinking, gosh, I, I do really want this. How am I going to get there? And it's it's the habits that I probably shouldn't keep doing to help me get there. But then we have to fill in the blanks. Okay, if you stop doing this, now we got to enrich your body with what it's missing. So we just focus on the missing. And that's how we can talk to all different kinds of eaters or all different kinds of goals with filling in the nut- nutritional gaps. And- I love that approach. It's just... It's so much more focused on what is your body, what is your mind, what is what do you need versus what are you going to have to get rid of? And you mentioned the goals and resolutions. This came up really briefly in the last one. I was like, I want to hear more from you about that too. And you know, we're recording this before January, but this will come out in January, this episode. And it is tis the season for everyone to be losing their marbles. (laughs) Because they are going to become a completely different person come January 1st. Everything's going to fall into place come the new year. And not that I don't love, you know, setting intentions and thinking about what you want for the new year. I think that's amazing. But there's kind of a toxic culture around that resolution idea, too. Can we get into that a little bit? Yeah, I guess happy 2023 to everybody since we can confirm. (laughs) That's so wild. (laughs) We'll make it to January. I like how you said intention because one of the first things people start seeing, depending on what your schedule is like, is right after Christmas, usually around the first of the year, is when you're going to see diet commercials pushing hard, hard, hardcore. So dieting programs, and they're not all bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but their marketing is strong and they pay a lot of money for their marketing so that you will opt in to their program so they can send you a meal plan and restrict you. So it's another 
one of those situations where you got to make an intuitive call. Is this going to be good for me? Do I want to enter into another one of these? Or if it's your first time going into a diet program, look at how much it's going to cost you. But the big question is, what am I going to learn from this? And if I do lose weight because they're promising me I'm going to, am I going to be able to maintain it? Because if you're a success, they're a success, but not too much of a success that you don't come back and pay them more money. Ooh, shit. Sorry, guys, calling you out. capitalism, baby. Right. And so like, so a resolution is a goal. And then there's a difference between I want versus I have to. So like I want is desire and desire is a very cool word. Desire Mm -hmm. is like, I'm hungry for this. I Mm -hmm. want this, you know, like I feel like a powerful woman. I'm going to like go after this or a powerful man or whatever. However you identify with your desire that has strength to it. I have to has an undercurrent of guilt. Oh, wow. Right. Like a little tiny bit of like, I have to, here's one I've heard many times. I have to fit in a to a dress because my daughter's getting married in June. <laughs> That's a huge one. Or I have to fit into a bathing suit because I want to look smoking for Jamaica, you know, by I mean, March. it's such a trope, right? How many sitcoms and movies have we seen some woman mm. doing something because she's got like a class reunion coming up or a wedding or whatever it is? It's I mean, that's a, that Mm -hmm. comes up again and again in pop culture even. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah, you can go out and and hire that dietitian, hire that personal trainer, or you can opt into Weight Watchers or some other, other program, but keep in mind that the, I have to, if there's an undercurrent of guilt, what it ends up being is that you're following a rule until like a certain time and then go back to what I was doing. Then I'm Ooh. then I'm going to go back to where I was, and I don't think anybody wants that. But that's what restrictive habits do. Is I just need to get into this dress until then. So, what you what people do is they're going to hardcore diet mm. to drop eight sizes or whatever it may be, and then whew, the wedding's over, vacation's off, or while I was on vacation, I put ten pounds back on yeah. because I was restricting myself so bad, and I just let her all go, and and then there comes even more guilt feeling like, well, I can't maintain where I was, or now I put weight on. There's like this double whammy of as if you were doing something wrong in the first place. And the the only issue Mm. there is you time restricted yourself so hard that you know, it wasn't a realistic plan. So let's find a realistic plan. And then you'll never have to act like I have to get into a dress by a certain time. You'll be at that size to maintain, but we've got to find the equilibrium. Instead of yeah. a crash tactic, it's crash tactics from jumping one to the next, to the next, next. So, so it's desperate thinking. And that is what diet marketing capitalizes on is desperate thinking. So then I want the desire. The desire could be to feel better. So I want is the desire. So if you're going to make a resolution that is a goal, what you actually want to say to yourself is I want to feel better. I want to feel hot and sexy, and energy, and good about myself, and whatever word that you're looking before, because weight loss will be a side effect of you achieving the feeling. Yes. Yes. So we twist it. We flip the script on how we plan a resolution, if that is how people want to look at. In 2023, I am going to, you know, just have that bang and bod. but. You know, what's underneath that, the the how then isn't based on desperate thinking, but it's going to be best based on realistic steps, a relationship with yourself. There are things that will have to be set in place. And what's really underneath desire are questions that need to be answered. Like, do you have a difficult relationship with food so that you don't fall into diet culture again? Step, you know, steps to this, like yeah. really looking at your kitchen and going, gosh, I, I have a partner who keeps bringing in cookies and candy. So my co- first conversation I need to have is with my partner to say, I really want to get healthy this year. I need you to do this with me. And if you're not going to do this with me, we're going to have a serious conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Like I need, I love you. I need you to, to support me, but if you're not going to support my health, we're going to have an issue. Cause I can't live like this. You see couples that do things like that together and it's awesome. They get healthy mm-hmm. together. And so the whole household has to has to jump on that healthy ship together. It would be like that first conversation. The other one would be who can help me learn how to have a healthier relationship with food? Do you have food trauma that you got to talk about? Mm-hmm. So there's never like a one note 
to that resolution. It's dig deep. That's why we quit because it's a deep, deep, deep thing that we're actually got to look at. You got to do, you got to do some work there. I mean, food is so much more than food for us in our culture. There's so much attached to it. I don't know if you like stand up comedy, but Taylor Tomlinson is a comedian. She has two Netflix specials and Mm -hmm. I love her. She's, I think part of it is like, she's a millennial that talks about things. And I'm like, yes, yes, I can relate with this one. And she was talking about how she is in therapy. She talks very openly about her mental health Mm -hmm. and she's Mm -hmm. talked about, talks about being an emotional eater in her standup and saying like, because of therapy, I realized that the moment I became an emotional eater was because I had food in my hand when my dad said my mom had died. Wow. And, you know, she, of course, makes this into a bit that is relatable. Mm. But at the same time, I just, I've, that part has been sticking with me. I was like, imagine how many of those traumatic events alter how we look at fueling our body. Yeah. Yes. I wonder I- if she came to that conclusion her- herself or if someone helped coach her into and therapy. asking her, yeah, like, like really coaching and asking what I call it is pulling threads. Cause it takes a while to get underneath, right. Th- underneath that, underneath the literal, the literal weight of what people are carrying. Yeah. Is, right. Like I'm, I'm overweight because of the way I eat. And the question is, why do you eat the way that you do? And then they go, Oh, I'm stressed. Why are you stressed? And sometimes what, sometimes what immediately pops out is, well, a parent did this. And maybe for her, she got to that conclusion that yeah, I lost my mom. And oh my gosh, I realized that I go back to that moment and I eat the same thing. You know, so it's, that's, that's that beautiful awakening that someone can come, can come to you that where we finally get to the root of what's causing your relationship with food to be complicated. And isn't that just such an, how, how it speaks volumes for, for obesity? Yes. Like you're just going to like doc, you're just going to throw somebody a drug and act like that's going to work. You yes. haven't even come close to finding out who the human being is and why and they eat might the way be making they do. it worse, right? I mean, totally. that's, that's masking it. Exactly. And when someone has a history of jumping from a weight loss drug to a weight loss drug to a weight loss drug, it might work for a while and then it doesn't work. And then they got to switch to another medication and they end up on that cycle. What happens along that cycle is they spend a ton of money, they go into fad dieting. And again, we finally get to the place where we realize the one thing you haven't done is eat like you love yourself. <sighs> That's it. This podcast is supported by Parade Underwear. Parade believes that the materials that touch your skin should be as comfortable as possible wherever life takes you. That's why their styles come in a large range of fabrics from seamless universal that disappears under clothes to cozy waffles plush comfort that keep you comfy on every occasion. Parade understands that everyone deserves to express themselves however they choose because we're all unique. And Parade knows that there's no parade without our planet. They strive to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, responsible, renewable, or regenerative materials. This is really a win-win-win. I love Parade. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I can't recommend them enough. And of course, we love the mission. Use code consciously.carly for 20% off your first order. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y dot C-A-R-L-Y, consciously dot Carly. Enjoy your new undies. This podcast is supported by North. North's mission is to provide unique and innovative cannabis products to help bring peace, calm, and healthy alternatives to their consumers. All of their products have been meticulously designed and formulated by co-founders Brandon and Mike to ensure that their customers receive nothing but the highest quality. Currently, they offer three product lines, Vibes, a THC CBD seltzer, gummies, THC gummies, and fusions, a CBD wellness beverage. I'm a huge fan of the THC CBD seltzer. My current favorite flavor, blackberry mango. Use code CARLY15 to get 15% off your order at drinkthenorth.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-1-5, or hit the link in the show notes. Enjoy drinking the North. Let's, let's go there. And that's where it's actually quite, quite easy to introduce plant-based nutrition because if they're nutrient deficient in the process of restricting a lot of healthy foods, also what comes out is, well, I thought carbs were bad. I thought I couldn't ever have rice or grains or whole grains or beans or all of that was bad. And, and, And then you're actually teaching them to accept that healthy foods are the truth. 
And this probably goes without saying for listeners of this podcast at this point, but I'll say it anyway, (laughs) is that I don't think you or I, and correct me if I'm wrong, are coming from this place of judgment for this, right? We're Mm. like, this system sucks. This Mm. diet culture sucks. I see why people fall prey to it. It's easy to, I mean, Mm. it's just, like you said, it's, it's feeding off of our fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. That's that's the it's why it's so mm-hmm. popular. Fad diets that's why are it's so a, popular. It's a billion dollar industry. The supplements that aren't even regulated. I mean, come on, you can call something OxyCut or whatever fat burn. All it is is hopped up on ginseng and caffeine, and it's going to make you feel like your heart's going to explode. So you think you're losing weight, and probably makes you nauseous, so you don't want to eat. <laughs> it's well, that, it's not I, science. I have some <laughs> body privilege here to not ever thinking much about my weight. But even when you said going to doctors and stuff, are there, this is showing my ignorance. There are prescribed medications for weight loss. Like you can go to the doctor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what, Um, and what do they do? I mean, I mean, you don't have to say everything, everyone, but I'm just curious, mm -hmm. like what science is that? Well, I can tell you in specific industries, particularly Mm -hmm. in diabetes and diabetes the research right now, international conferences came out this year really saying that obesity is the number one thing to treat in diabetes care. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, no kidding. You think like we should be talking about healthy weight, but if we're going to address someone's weight, our questions should actually be, tell me about your relationship with food. Because when someone is diagnosed with diabetes, they get Sometimes they get the third degree about what they're eating. And that is not the friendly way to enter into this. There's already tons of guilt. They probably already have people in the family that have diabetes. And with type one diabetes that I have, it's food police. You feel like everyone is judging you for the Mm. way you eat. And then they look at your blood sugar records and all of this, this darkness about perfection and meeting your numbers. And, you know, you find that your self-worth is tied to a number So Mm. in the diabetes world, there are certain medications that are designed to help people lose weight. And what they actually do is they are appetite suppressants. But what I see them doing is they make someone feel so sick for the first week, maybe two weeks, maybe even a month that they don't want to eat. That's gross. Right? So my concern is, are we just trading one disordered eating pattern for another now? And that's what worries me as a, as a practitioner, as a, as a dietitian. And I know I've got a partner who is an intuitive eating counselor and we've talked in depth about there's this standard now that when people are diagnosed with diabetes or they're obese, that they can be prescribed certain appetite suppressants and they're approved. But if they're not having a assessment, a full assessment, a nutrition care process assessment is what we call it in in medical nutrition therapy is if we're not in there doing that, which is fairly rare in primary care, then that person could end up being taught or picking up even more unhealthy habits than they had to begin with. Wow. And if you lose weight, you get positive reinforcement for not eating (laughs) and it will backfire. The, The medication will never stay that strong or they'll go to the doctor and they'll be like, I'm so nauseous. I can't. I can't work. I'm and, and and I know I need to eat, but I'm not. The doctor might just say we're going to cut this medication out, which is responsible. The doctors will be like, okay, not going to happen. But a lot of doctors will want to just decrease the dosage and then bump it back up again. Or like, here's something for nausea. Yeah, right. And it, yeah, that could be added on top of it. And and that's that's that is where there is you can you can kind of see where what I'm getting at is the enormous opportunity for counseling, for Mm. nutrition coaching, for that type of therapy that people are seeking. We're all, all we're doing is maybe accompanying somebody to the grocery store with a grocery list. I mean, that's, that's the beauty with plant-based coaching is people do need to start from wherever they need to start. And that could be so many different places that, that seem like to us, you know, you get to a certain level and you're like, I know so much now. I know what I can do with this and I want to share it with everyone. But there are so many people out there that need just the absolute basics of go to the grocery store with me, please. <laughs> I just teach me how to use the microwave and and throw some things in that are going to be super easy so that I can take food to work. If we're I, not even doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I have that is such a good reminder, especially as like you said, people were you're like, oh my gosh, I have all this information. I love this. I want to tell everybody about it and everyone to listen, but you can't start with where you're at now when you're sharing, right? I have a client who literally 
was like, I want recipes. She's a, a younger woman. I want recipes that are like five minutes or less. That is all I can handle. I'm in mm-hmm. school. I'm in high school. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm doing. So like, can you find me things that are five minutes or less? And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we got to start with what are, what are the absolute basis that you could open your fridge and have a meal mm-hmm. in five minutes? Mm-hmm. That's not ideal, but yeah, like that's, if that's where you're at, okay, we'll find things that are mm-hmm. some somewhat nutritious and delicious and Mm -hmm. you can get in five minutes. And of course I'm like, but what if you had 10 or 15? It's like, no, (laughs) she doesn't. She doesn't. She's five right now. And that's, you know, I'm like, I'm, I got to start there and it's, it's hard, but Mm -hmm. it's important to remember that, you know, at one point I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a cool challenge because there is creativity in that. There's, you know, and and you start to find like, okay, I've got like four meals that really work right now for dinner. So I'm going to rotate those through. And then when they have a chance to expand, right, you can expand on it. One area that I really struck gold for people that made it so much easier on me is I went on walmart.com and I took screenshots of plant-based foods that I could then just put on a document and PDF it to people as a grocery list. Oh, smart. Yeah. You know, 90 second grain bags that people can microwave that are like mixes of barley and wild rice. When you're in the process of reading labels for for anybody listening, that's kind of tapping into this and looking at this high fiber nutrition is what's really amazing about grains is there's so much fear around grains like wild rice and barley is the really great thing about grains is they are the foundation of a lot of different cultures too. For having those conversations and trying to bring people back to the earth to what they knew growing up if they did not grow up in the States is that we can kind of help, you know, tell me more about what it was like eating for you as a kid. Yeah. If you were from Puerto Rico or you were from Mexico or Asia, like what was it like for you? Tell me about those foods. And then we can start working back into that. And there's a lot of grains out there that are in these like 90 second microwavable bags. You can just pop them in the microwave and they're in two perfect portions. So you're accidentally teaching portion control. And by the way, look at that label because there's a ton of fiber in it and there's protein. And where there's fiber in those whole grains, there's also protein. Yes, yes. And I think that is, I mean, let's segue into some of these myths, right? Because (laughs) you mentioned protein and that was- Oh boy. That's a, that's a big one, right? When you tell people you're vegan, we joke about this, but it's so true. All of a sudden, everyone thinks that they are a certified nutritionist and have all these questions about where you get certain levels of this and that, which is so funny because when you, I understand that it's coming from people's misunderstanding, defensiveness, shame, all of it, right? It's Mm -hmm. always, it's always back to fear and insecurity at the end of the day, but people really get upset. Some people get very upset. They are, Mm -hmm. they are worried about your life. Like how are you walking around on this earth without eating meat or whatever it is? So Mm -hmm. what are some of these vegan nutrition myths specifically that we just need to bust? Awesome. I've got six and we could, we could totally workshop this. We could start with like 50 and whittle them down to six (laughs) probably. Right. But I kind of, when, when I put this, when I put this, this, this topic together for VegFest, I was like, let me just hit the ones that I could rattle off the top of my head and go with those because we could talk about those at any point in time. And number one certainly was that plant protein is inferior. So it's not just where do you get your protein from, but there will also be professionals that say that plant protein is inferior, which What we're thinking of is there are amino acids. So proteins break down to amino acids. There are 20 of them. Nine of them are essential. So we have to eat them. Here's what people should know. Write this down. All plants (laughs) contain all 20 amino acids. All plants plants contain protein, right? (laughs) I need a soundboard or something. Yeah. And so, and I'm just going to say all plants, meaning the the substantial plants that we eat the most of, the ones that we are going are going to fuel our diet, the, the substance from the earth, the starchier vegetables, but also those water-heavy vegetables, our broccolis and our green peppers, our, our mushrooms, they contain all 20 amino acids in varying amounts. So what the ticket here is to meet your protein needs, the first thing people need to know, let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Before anyone is so worried about our protein needs, The answer might be, thank you so much for your concern, but do you have any idea how much protein you need? Because most people have no idea how much protein they need to eat in a day. Yep. And if their answer is, yes, my personal trainer told me one gram per pound. (laughs) (laughs) So wrong. 
it's one gram per kilo that is a safer amount to default to. And that's almost half of what a pound is. So don't eat overeat protein because protein is a use it or lose it nutrient. We're not going to use all the protein that we need because amino acids break down to urea and urea sounds a lot like urine. Well, guess what? We're going to pee out the amino acids because they become toxic. They have nitrogen in them and we can't keep that in our body. We have to move it through. So the first thing is as an individual, find out what your specific protein needs from a reliable scientific source. I might have that available on my website. If not, it's in my book plug, but it's, (laughs) it's how, right. It's how people can actually assess their own protein needs. So if you know, you need 60, 70, 80 grams a day based on your activity level, it's also based on the body size that you're trying to work towards. So if you're trying to lose weight or gain muscle, we can gauge our protein needs based on that. So again, we eat to treat, we eat for fuel. We don't eat into this like dark hole of a guess as to how much we need. Carbohydrates are the same. We want to eat as much as we know that our body can utilize. Same with fat when it comes down to how many grams do you need in a day. So plant protein is not inferior. The key there is also to eat a variety of foods. So you wouldn't just say, I can get all my protein from broccoli. (laughs) Mm, Still, you know, I still want you to have a wider variety of plant foods here. If people choose to throw in meat substitutes and you want to go with soy products, tempeh, go for it. I'm not going to shame anybody for trying meatless products at all. That is a total individual decision. Just like I wouldn't shame people who eat eggs from their chickens that they treat as pets who are their friends. Mm -hmm. I think that's also something in the vegan community that we have to be kind of careful of is judging people based on how vegan they are as they love their chickens and they care for them. And they also rescued their chickens and they're still laying eggs because of the horrible ways that they were treated in a factory farm setting. That is vegan. That's love. That's, that's okay. Well, it's also, it's also the thing too, right? It's like, even if, even if I wouldn't do that, even if that bothers me in the grand scheme of what Mm -hmm. we're trying to do, that's Mm -hmm. small potatoes. Exactly. You know, that's yeah. not the thing that should anger us to our core. Yeah, it should that be we're... the systematic farming or the the bullshit yeah. nutrition lessons. Like those, I've yeah. come a long way in that part of my vegan journey of yeah. just realizing like, who's the enemy here? It's not right. the individual trying their best. Exactly. Yeah. The vegans got to support vegans. Plant-based got to support plant-based and cheer each other on for that. That That's a good way. That's a good ending into step two, into part two here or part two, number two. Which was just a very blank statement. Soy is bad. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I still have people ask me that. Yeah, that one will always happen. I pretty much said. I know I said at Vegfest. No, it's not. The science has spoken. That's <laughs> all. It's like moving on. Right, move along. <laughs> and so I, I think that people can, you know, if you're going to reliable sources like Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, NutritionFacts.org, you're going to find the facts about soy. The thing to know about soy certainly is if you're going to go buy soy products, it's probably a good idea to look for the non-GMO. Just go ahead with the soy. Um, And the least amount of processing, maybe you're more comfortable doing edamame. So you're doing the soybean, you know, Mm -hmm. versus doing the the tofu itself. There Mm -hmm. are people that have allergies to soy. So that's another area just to be sensitive. It's an allergen. So we should think about that. It's also one of the oldest foods on the planet. Thank you, Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's soy has been around for a while and we've been freaking out about it just because it is challenging the amount of animal products that we eat. And the dairy industry loves to slam soy because yeah. soy milk has taken them on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, studies that are funded by dairy, are, you think that a dairy funded study is going to say soy is good. It's not. They can yes. buy the science. So yes. that's number two. Number three, top six myths of eating vegan. Number three too many carbs. Oh my gosh. Let's get into it. I know you've got opinions (laughs) on this one. So who is dishing out the macro advice? And I'm saying macro in air quotes because macro is a word that doesn't actually mean anything until you attach nutrients onto the end of it. It means big. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's funny. What are your macros? Like, What are you talking about? And, like, like, what? I, and I was like, am I old when I'm saying, what the hell are you talking about? Macro, you mean ma- oh, macronutrients. You want to know what you're, okay. Cause there's, there's the carbohydrates, protein and, and fat. All right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's find out what you need. It's just like the protein thing. Too many carbs. Do you know how many carbohydrates you need to eat in a day? Because you're telling me that you want to train for a half marathon. We got to talk about your carbohydrates. We've got to fuel your brain, not just your muscles. 
Yes. Yes. I have been sharing that tidbit with people just like your brain needs carbs though. So like you want to have a healthy brain though, right? I mean, that's the, what is it? Is it the keto that cuts out that hates carbs or paleo? Well, yeah, I can't keep both up. of them. They all do. I mean, all every fad diet out there is going to point you towards yeses and nos. Yeah. And I've even seen certain principles of fad diets that are okay, that, that aren't yeah. so terrible. Like they're onto something here to try to teach people how to eat a little bit better, but right. they're doing it at the expense of something else or they're mislabeling a carbohydrate. There are apps out there that that are designed to teach people to keep their carbohydrates at a dangerously low level, which is to the point where it is so far below the daily recommendation minimum for just for brain health that that is probably the only only situation where I will say you need to stop doing that right now. Right. I'm serious. Do not mess with your brain. And glucose molecules, they they break down, you know, Carbohydrates break down the glucose molecules. That is a straight up highway to our brain. It takes nutrients to our brain. In an emergency situation, our body is designed to run on only fat. It's like the backup generator. But when we force our bodies to always run on the backup generator, generator, we are screwing with our metabolism big time. And so if you ask anyone who's been doing a hard diet, a hardcore carb cutting diet like Atkins, the old paleo thing, old, old Atkins, which most people don't do anymore because they know that Mr. Atkins died of heart disease is that, and that's beside the point. Maybe he had some genetic stuff going on and he didn't even eat his own food, but, but the, but the point of that was cut all the good stuff out and eat all this meat and protein. And, and then you're going to lose weight is that the, the deficiency in these situations is not ideal. And so if we're running on that backup generator all the time, when someone's doing these fad diets, they'll say, I'm super hungry. They may say that if I even touch a carb, I'll put on the, all the weight back on. They yep. may say that. You know, if you're eating way too much protein, like two grams per kilogram, which is your weight, two grams of protein per kilo, that actually causes dehydration. Protein pulls water right out of the mm. cell, sucks it right out. Just a little side note, if you ever watch a body or see people shooting dry protein powder, that's immediate dehydration. It starts to pull the skin to the muscle so they look more cut. Ooh. Yeah, that's how bodybuilding works. So it's, you know, it's not, and yeah, even so. a bodybuilder would tell you, I know exactly what I'm doing because it's supposed to be temporary. And then I'm going to go back to eating healthier once I get done with this competition. So they, they know that it's not the healthiest sport, but it's not conversation ter- for another day. Too, right. right. Yeah. It's not always a terrible <laughs> sport either. Yeah. So the deficiency, the, the deficiencies we can create from our brain from carbohydrates is scary. And what we, are worried about is cognitive decline. And we often don't know that we have cognitive decline until it is too late. Yeah. So if you've ever seen anyone suffer from Alzheimer's dementia, it is more common in Scandinavian in Scandinavian descent. And we're, you know, considering where we are, Carly, I'm, I'm, I have a huge major Scandinavian background and yep. here in Minnesota, it's common. And it's not to say you know, grandma and grandpa ate bad. They eat, but it's, it's in, if it's in the genetics and then we're also eating in a way that's going to starve our brain. Another way of describing Alzheimer's disease is pre diabetes. Oh, wow. Because all of that fat that can become, that can be, is what we're, our, we're forcing our body to run on actually eating ourselves alive. And that can create some issue in the brain where there's plaques that develop. It's hard to clear it. And that is actually a, another way of describing insulin resistance. And that is why there's a relationship there with Alzheimer's and diabetes. That is so, so fascinating. I watched my one of my grandmas deteriorate from yeah. and pass away this earlier this year in January. Battle with that. And I've said this now on the podcast, people have heard me say this at nauseum, but she is one of my biggest wise, just because I think why I want to share information, why I want to like live a happier, healthier life myself, because watching her and knowing that we have more control over a situation like that than we've been led on to think. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. I mean, it is, it is a battle and that is so interesting. The type three diabetes. Mm -hmm. I hope, I hope I just wanted to like pause and let that sink in for people. Cause that's a big thing. We're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia and having some power over that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's genetics, there's other things, but Mm -hmm. there's some power over that. Yeah, we're we're three myths in and look at how deep you can dig. 
right? When it comes either the misinformation or things that we we maybe could learn more about for our own benefit, for our whole family's benefit. I also watched my grandma about 15 year battle and I I never would have thought, is this related? Like what, this is so unfair. She lost all her fire and she was full. And when people tell me that I'm like my grandma, I'm like, oh, I'm not losing my fire. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to lose it. And so much of it is from this knowledge of the plant-based world, I think, where I get my fire from and how much it saved my life with having, because I I have have a type of diabetes that's not going to go anywhere. Right. I'm not going to make insulin on my own. So that's why I take it very seriously with cognitive decline. And I have, I have a lot of, you know, wheels spinning in my head all the time. When I learn more of people's stories, as you do, you take on these stories and you hear so much and you actually hear them waking up and they get mad as you know, once they start to learn and be able to read fact from fiction and and none of this agrees. I mean, there's evidence-based science here just to simply tell us to eat more fiber that fiber is really a guide to health hydrates. If you are eating between 30 and 40 grams of fiber in a day, that's an extremely healthy amount of fiber. That is above, way above the average American to do 30 to 40 grams, but it's nowhere near the total amount of carbohydrates that your body needs in a day. So if you are an active female, I know that I eat like 20 to 25 grams, or excuse me, I eat 200 to 225 grams of carbohydrates a day. And I'm active probably five to six days a week. And I Do you think I teach, some people yeah. just almost like shit their pants thinking yeah, about how, yes. how much carbohydrates, but <laughs> like they're like, I, what? Like, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm five, five. I am not a skinny girl. I never will be. I don't lift super heavy. I, I like to weight lift me happy, but I teach three spin classes a week and I would teach every night if I could, if I had the following, <laughs> I like being active and I need it, but it's feel my activity. And the combination of fiber plus activity is what gives my blood sugars, keeps my blood sugars in a healthy range. So I actually eat more carbohydrates than probably a 90% of people with type 1 diabetes, but it's to fuel the person that I am. It's not to fuel the diabetes. It's to fuel the person that I am. And if I do the math, I should be landing in that, in that range. Wow. You're blowing. I know you're blowing people's minds right now. Yeah. But then again, you know, for the person, for you individuals that are listening, you want to know what you need and right. then you will feel confident about what you're eating and the timing of it and the grocery store and all of that. So, Ooh, there is, it's expensive. Yeah. The eating vegan is expensive and yeah, it can be if you're eating out all the time. If I was in San Diego last month and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> there's so much great, great vegan food in San Diego. I haven't been to California yet, but I've had like six people in the last couple of months be like, just because you're vegan alone is reason that you need to go. And I was like, I know, I know. Yeah. There's a pretty good variety out there, but that'd be fun. Right. But like, I won't, I don't eat pizza every single night anyways. And I certainly don't want to pay for a $25 pizza and the cost of food has really gone up at restaurants right now. So so where are you shopping is the first question. Then let's come up with a strategy as to how you can do this. How many people are you in your family? How many of you are you trying to, you know, towards more of a plant-based lifestyle that we can work it in? Right now, for the second time this already, and it's just Thursday, I have a crock pot started in the morning and I threw so much stuff in there. I put in like roasted corn, roasted, a can of roasted tomatoes. Those That was roasted fr- frozen corn by. And then... I've got some red potatoes in there with a bunch of beans, like the biggest beans I've ever seen. These huge white beans called Gordos. They're gigantic. There's so much fiber in that crock pot right now. I can't tell you. (laughs) And per serving, it's also going to be a healthy amount of protein because these are all fiber rich foods that also do contain protein. So people can get really worried about, oh, too many carbs, but it's actually balanced because you're going to meet your protein needs if you're getting enough calories. Right. And let's back off on the carbohydrates here. Maybe we need to look at the portion size if you think you're eating too many carbs, but I, you're right. probably not. And doing any kind of soup, anything that's broth-based like that, tomato-based, that's a great way to save money. But the soups that are in a box, like it's a, a butternut squash or just a tomato. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, they sound kind of like, oh, I don't want that by itself. I use those and I, I do like a pour over with them. So I'll heat them up and turn them into mm. a sauce and I'll pour them over like a baked sweet potato or any other cooked type of a, a bowl that was a bean bowl. If it seemed just kind of bland and it needed some flavor, you can use like butternut squash as a topping. Genius. It's super good. And it's cheap. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cheap. There's four servings in one of those boxes. 
I know is it their own brand? They had one for like $2.99, just yeah. that in itself. So if you can plan to eat on $10 a day for one person, I know that can sound expensive, but think about it this way. If you spend $70 at the grocery store in a week, so that's $10 a day, 70 bucks at the grocery store, that should feed at least one person. So I know there's two of us in this house that we can feed on 70 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. And that's $5 a day of eating mm-hmm. out of the home. And it could get even cheaper than that, depending on where you're shopping or how savvy of a budgeter you are. Right. right. Yeah. Can you get expensive eating out? Can you get expensive at home? Is not. Soups at mm-hmm. home are not. Mm-hmm. Foods of the really, really whole foods on like bags of pot- some things in bulk can really get you a long way. So get there are people that like are so good at that person with I love, I mean, frozen veggies are great for you. They're flash yeah. frozen when they're fresh. You're not losing nutrients, pop a whole bag of broccoli in and you can do a stir fry. Yep. So have, have some bits and also flavors, a spice rack. If you like low soy sauces, I love ginger and peanut sauce. Mm-hmm. Those are the flavors. And I, the only mm-hmm. thing I watch out for there added sugar. So it's not okay. going to break the bank. If it feels like it is, if it feels like it is going to break the bank, that's where it comes time to start looking at your vegan bloggers, start looking for people mm-hmm. who are really great in this area and they can help you budget. Even Snap, I think Snap has a vegan grocery list that people can access and see what you can, how far you can go on a Snap nutrition That's plan. really cool. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Okay. What's the next one? I can't eat enough calories. We kind of talked about that. I've talked to some people, not a huge myth, but some people have said like bigger, stronger plates. I can't get enough calories if I'm plant-based. That is just a project in density. We would look mm. at the density. Are you filling up too much on things like potatoes or wild rice where you're eating a cup of that and you're getting super stuffed with a bunch of broccoli and yeah, it's only like three to 400 calories and you're stuffed. We're going to have to look at the fats. We're going to look at nuts and seeds like hemp seeds that go a long way and probably yeah. increase, yeah, increase fats. When is eating gaining weight on a vegan diet? We gotta look at the nuts and seeds. I know, right? Nut butters, right. yeah, they're awesome. I know, but yeah, it's even sprinkling. You know, you get a tablespoon of hemp seed. That is a lot of a lot of calories, and it's good food. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid you're not going to meet your omega three, well, then we're going to talk about getting omega three from other sources. But you don't need a lot of a flax seed or hemp seed plant-based nut or seed to fulfill your, so it's just a conversation portion size and density. And the last one is, is this is the big, big one. That's very simple. <laughs> Athletes aren't vegan. Oh my gosh. It's just one a bit. <laughs> yeah. Tell me it'll off. You know, it's types of athletes. That's what's important. Kind of make the statement of the the body endurance athletes. Right now, the World Cup is going on. I'm sure you could do a Google and find out which soccer players are plant-based. There's going to be somebody that's doing that. Alex Morgan, you know, Dotsie Badman that I would have named who's a cyclist and she's got her her podcast with non-dairy and she's got this huge non-dairy campaign. And, you, you know, she can just go on and on about being an athlete and, and her story of how that improved her performance. So, but what's the game changers? Everybody's seen that. I hope I listening and you haven't seen it. Go, go get on the please, game. Changers. Please watch it because that one, I think, God, yeah, that just hits for so many different people than some of the other documentaries about stuff like this have. It just, and, and myself included, I was like, mm-hmm. that, that film fired me up. Like my, like, high yeah. school athlete inside of me was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and even just, you know, I'm, I'm still an athlete, but just that, like that, I don't know, that energy of that film was really fun yeah. and really amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. And I love how they showed the variety. They showed track athletes, they showed football, they had a range of yep. what people are working on and what their goals are. And behind that, they have different protein, calorie and carbohydrate needs. And they talked a lot about recovery and nutrition, which is good for athletes with, a couple. So mm. they're doing 50K, two marathons in one night who are vegan. And here they are, you know, ultra runners. So that's there's our six. Pretty amazing because, and like you said, we probably, there's, you know, there's 50 more myths that we could dive into and maybe we will someday. I have a feeling you'll be back on the podcast again. <laughs> I love chatting with you, but I, I'm like a squeaky wheel here, but your approach to this conversation is so refreshing and I just vibe with so much because you're like, here's the myth. Here's why it's bullshit. Not, (laughs) not judging. 
This is, but this is real information we have, you know, this is real. You can't just say these blank statements if you're not willing to dive in a little bit more. And it's so important. And we, we need to look at food differently. Yeah. It's, I've, I've really learned too that like, I, maybe not, I wasn't born vegan. You know, I certainly wasn't right. Like we, come I from grew up hunting and fishing. So yeah, see, we, we come know, from like, something and we're going to have people in our family that are challenged by who we are today. It, it's going, so as we talk about myths like this, it's from delicacy and compassion, uh, <laughs> being delicate about our delivery in these conversations, in these, in these topics in general, just because they touch on our culture, our holidays, our everything. You know, when this comes out, who knows what fa- fascinating story gathered from, from dealing with the Thanksgiving table, the, the Christmas table, the New Year's yep. table, whatever, because that's where mm-hmm. <laughs> the families that that's where we ask each other, where did we learn this from and how can we heal and move forward like collectively with it? Yeah, I like that, too. How can we move forward collectively? Because I think that's one of the things that vegans and people who are plant-based and people want to have these conversations, like we all have to keep in mind, right? That it's a collective movement forward. And so to get mad or to isolate or to tell people that they're shitty is not collectively moving forward. It's just Mm -hmm. just making people feel bad. Right. And that's what spin class is for. If you're angry, you need anger management. Here's another plug, guys. If you're in Minnesota and you need anger management, Just send me an email. I'll tell you where where class is on Saturday morning or Tuesday night because that is really what we use. Let exercise be your therapy. Let meditation or yoga or whatever, whatever personality you use, exercise should fit your personality and that can be your greatest release. So before you pop off and sure, you want to tell the world and scream from the rooftops about how fascinating our based work for you and how wonderful and amazing it is. You're not lying because it worked very, very well for you, but... People are in such different places and we all got there somehow. Yep. Yep. So 100%. the grace, yeah, the grace and, and okay, I'm here and I'll, I'll be here for you when you're ready to start talk this. If today is not the day, I, I will be here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners before the end of this episode? You've got science, you've got evidence, just be calm and go to the gym if you got to work it out. (laughs) I was just going to say, I mean, I'm going to the gym after this. So (laughs) amazing. I so appreciate you and appreciate the knowledge you've shared with my listeners. I'm I'm really thankful. I appreciate you. I am excited. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm excited to share this. And if we have any questions or anything on this episode or any follow-up, I will send people your way to find you online, please. Sure. Yeah. My name's so laurenplunkett.com. Instagram at laurenhealth on LinkedIn. I'm not super great on yeah, but I do fun on LinkedIn just because I got a lot of friends on there who are pretty funny. So my LinkedIn, or excuse me, my, my Instagram is positive it's full of cats it's got some food on it so it's very funny by. you're yeah. very you're, you're very, I love it you're very funny your stories make me laugh and giggle yeah I try to keep it light it's a heavy you know they can be a really heavy world of nutrition so let's just have a little bit of fun be nice and giggle as much as we yeah. can that's, that's good it. life advice <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for joining me I really appreciate it thanks for listening to another episode of consciously clueless If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. In 2016, Mint Mobile was born because its founders thought that Big Wireless was, well, dumb. So they decided it was time to create a smarter wireless company, one that extends its middle finger to conventional truths while also pointing out where Big Wireless is letting people down. 
They're online only. You can buy plans that are three months, six months, 12 months, no contracts. Choose to stay as long as you want. There are no overages. There's no surprises. There's just no BS. And for someone who lives in a remote area like myself, I can attest to the fact that the service is great and I have truly had no problems and oftentimes is better than the big wireless companies I was with before. To find out more about how Mint Mobile can work for you, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you. (laughs) 